Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray considering taking a course in geopolitics and diplomacy as we try to digest a story that is much, much bigger than just golf. I'd like to open this week's show with a quote from friend of the pod and recipient of the Memorial Award for Journalism just last week, John Huggin. On Twitter yesterday, Huggy wrote, I've loved golf my whole life, the game that is, but this other stuff makes me sick. I hate it all. He even included an emoji. I think that sums up to a degree how I think I and a lot of golf fans feel in the wake of the announcement earlier this week of this new entity to be created, bringing together Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, the PGA Tour, and the DP World Tour in an as yet unknown structure. With little more known now than a couple of days ago, let's dive in and explore the most explosive story involving golf that I can ever recall, and I think I will stop calling this a golf story. By we, I mean, of course, my co-host, starting with the game's premier path connoisseur and leading left-field thinker, Adrian Logue. You're a lifelong golfer and golf fan. What was your gut reaction to this news? Inevitable. Mm-hmm. You're a grown-up. <laughs> Is that- I had an emotional response <laughs> like a child. <laughs> That's very grown-up of you, very adult. Yeah, I mean, we'll elaborate we'll during elaborate the course of the next hour. <laughs> I'll pose the same question to another lifelong golfer and fan of the game, Golf Australia Magazine Deputy and Digital Editor Jimmy Emanuel. Jimmy, you've been immersed in this story the last couple of days. Can you recall what your initial reaction was, which much seemed like a lifetime ago? Uh, trying to work out what it was as I answered phone calls at about quarter to six on Wednesday morning. Um Yeah, surprise, I suppose. I mean, it, the discussion of it being inevitable is probably true, but years down the track, to my mind, not this week um and yeah i mean i have probably fall into line a bit with huggy as well that none of it sits particularly well it's right up there with pin positions and <laughs> whole, whole location whole location locations. is the problematic one you get it right get it right i copied and pasted i never know which sure one right. is the actual yeah, yeah. i'm glad he didn't use any scottish names there because i would have mispronounced <laughs> <laughs> might have put me off doing it first things first are we taking this all too seriously we've all got the option to turn off professional golf and just enjoy the game however we like do we not Kevin Van Valkenburg wrote a really good piece about this I thought mm. which I read this morning I sent it to both of you too and let's never forget if we did turn off professional golf if we gave it the snap and it disappeared golf would continue it would there would be an impact at some point eventually but absolutely <laughs> yeah. there would be no immediate impact I don't think so are we taking it too seriously Jimmy first oh, I don't think so it's a seismic shift and it's completely changes the fabric of what professional golf is, which while, you know, isn't that important to every single person, it is the reason, one of the reasons I got involved in golf. It's just, and it's um, one of the reasons I've got a job. It's one of the reasons we sit around and talk about like this every week. Um, More to the point why some people listen. Correct. Well, <laughs> we could right. do this quite happily. But that's right. So like I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it's important and it's fascinating and it's uh, yeah it's it's it, it's something that's impossible to wrap our heads around how big it is and all the stuff I've done this week and been asked to talk about things that I don't know anything about or I know very surface level and that's where the outside interest now comes into golf because this is a fascinating thing from like you said geopolitical and all this diplomacy and all this sort of stuff it's golf is now this well, is this the blueprint of what's going to happen in other things? Is this bad for the world? Is it good for the world? No one knows. And um, it's, yeah, I, I think that makes it quite a big deal, obviously. Yeah, is Jimmy right? Is it bigger than golf? Yeah, it's interesting because I think it's not the first time this has happened in terms of sports washing and the Saudis 
you know, throwing a lot of money at a sport. That's happened time and time again, as we hear about endlessly with the whataboutism. But it is the first time that I'm aware of that the sovereign investment fund has been so closely tied with a massive sporting league. And that does set a bit of a template, which is interesting. And it was fascinating. It doesn't set a template yet, does it? Because well, no, the talk today happened. is that the, the yeah. chances of it it's getting all, whoa, 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 through are yeah. not. There's a lot of that, isn't there? Um, but it, it's fascinating that – and my dad had a saying, which I'm always reminded of in situations like this. He said, what's true today is false tomorrow, especially in these political and social circumstances, anywhere where humans are involved, basically. It's not like nature and science. But, uh, you know, it was just yesterday or, you know, a year ago we were saying the problem with this model is that it's direct relationship with the PIF – And the fact that this is, you're doing the Saudi royal family's bidding, you're being a spokesperson for the Saudi royal family by participating in this league. And now the PIF has a seat at the table uh, in the chair. I'd have a bit more than that. (laughs) (laughs) He has the checkbook. They might own the table and rent chairs. Owns the the table, the building, everything. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, fascinating that, that, you know, what's true today was false tomorrow and, uh, the um and and now you've got Rory saying, well, this is different. It's not live; it's the piff. And I thought that was a fascinating way to frame it. But you can understand, Rory. Rory must be genuinely hurting. And there's a lot He's, more complex. Been... There's a it's a very complex yeah. study to work out what motivated Rory's reaction. Like he had the world's greatest free hit in that press conference because nobody would have blamed him for having a spray at anybody. And it was interesting to see how he used. It. And I thought he spoke pretty well. I actually did too. I thought yeah. it was quite an adult take. That he, had. Yeah. he was clearly disappointed. He was sort of clearly saying, as you've just sort of said, well, it's kind of inevitable in some ways. If the money's going to be in the game, best that you It'll have some say. Yeah, that's what that's we've right. all learned out of this, isn't it? Well, the he, money he, will find a he, way. People like him have no alternative. Well, well which, yeah. is, which is the whole point of what's going to be, no doubt, a fairly intense scrutiny by the Department of Justice in the States is that you've got no choice. <laughs> if you want to play professional golf, this new entity is probably going to be the only place when the three most powerful or the three biggest and most lucrative tours in the world get together and form a new entity, well, it's clearly anti, anti-competitive, anti isn't it? Which is... Uh, Wait, Agent not- Tour wasn't explicitly mentioned in any of this, right? But is it just assumed it'll come along? They gave a statement on the day yeah. about okay. backing the right horse and all there, this sort of stuff. Okay. There's something about... I think there's something that people are saying, live it will go away. I can't see that happening. It may just take on the form of a an Asian elite tour. That's what it feels more like. Well, they've got contracts in place, live. I don't see it disappearing. Because they need to satisfy. So I would you've got to so. send it a bit down to Adelaide. I don't know that they necessarily need to satisfy. It'll be interesting, won't it? Look, money can buy. And, and I, th- I think the thing with live as a name is the issue. Mm. You've, you've mm-hmm. created something that is the most divisive thing that's ever happened in professional golf. Mm. The connotation of live is division disruption. They now are talking about unity it's very purposeful. The language did not include merging Live Golf. It was Saudi Arabia Public Investment Funds Golf Entities. Yep. Live also stands for 54. Mm-hmm. 54 whole <laughs> golf tournaments are not going to be the flavor of the month yep. moving forward in this thing, in my opinion. Live are specifically mentioned in conjunction with the Public Investment Fund in the rest- In, in the later parts of that yeah. release. Of course, yeah. But they're not out. They're not out. There will be. There will be team golf. That's an unavoidable sort of reality of this, and not necessarily a negative one. But I think there will be team golf. But the we don't even know if it would be called PGA Tour. We assume, but we don't know. So 
the fact that in Rory's press conference, he still says, I still hate Liv. I don't want Liv. Monaghan had words about Liv Golf. You know, Monaghan, Monaghan had words last year about yeah, and, not and, being and embarrassed to be Rory being himself. To Rory's elevator statement on it, like a, you know, two years or a year and a half ago, was uh, I don't like where the money's coming from, hmm. which wasn't a criticism of Liv necessarily. No. It was it, it went up the chain to Piff. Yeah, so, he did also say he backed the Pelly. You know, those people who don't like Roy will tell you he's got all sorts of opinions. Not all of them necessarily agree with each other. But he backed the Pelly line, which was if there's going to be Saudi money in the game, you want it inside the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And one of the things I think is fascinating about Rory is he, he speaks his mind and he's malleable. Yeah, <laughs> to he, changes he changes his mind, <laughs> and it's very important. I've, you know, kind of agree. But, that, but that's a, that's a, this is a thing that he changes his mind. He now has all these. People are disliking, which I can't fathom. If I you like golf, how you don't like Rory McIlroy, yeah. but he's also a thirty-something-year-old man whose main job is to play golf. So, great yes, hair, have you noticed? He's great gone hair. grey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the last year, he's yeah. gone grey. He has. Nobody, yeah. that's, very much. Nobody said. You just said the quiet said, bit out yeah. loud. The quiet part out yeah. loud. There but you go. He's he is doing something, and we're all, I think, richer for the fact that he is willing to speak and speak his opinion so passionately. But he doesn't know everything. No. No. Nobody does. And this stuff is, he said it a couple of times, he said one, something in the press conference, he said, that is well above my pay grade. Yeah. Someone asked him about whether the deal would go through, he's like, hey, <laughs> that's well outside my <laughs> yeah. area of expertise. And so, you know, that's where I think a lot of the criticism for Monaghan comes, that Monaghan hid behind people like Rory by doing his couple of year press conferences, answering a few questions and happily let Rory kick the can down the street. Um, and a lot of them did. Because Rory embraced the role. Though. He in did, fairness, of he, he did. I think of Rory course. saw his role. I think this happened to Adam Scott after he won the Masters too. He changed in as much as he saw his role in the game had changed, that he had a position that he now had a responsibility to do differently what he'd always done before. I think the similar things happened to Rory. People have been at him to do it. But with Tiger gone, and Tiger's not a talker, Tiger's not said anything virtually publicly about this stuff. There's a couple of things he has said have been supportive of the tour, but nothing like Rory. He was never going to take the responsibility on, whereas mm. Rory has. And that might be the key difference between the two of them. Yeah. If yeah. Tiger wasn't hurt, he'd still be practicing his golf and not giving any of this a thought. Well, I think Rory, with the greatest potential to be Tiger of anyone we've seen since Tiger, realised he didn't want to be Tiger a long time ago. He actually said it. And so, I've seen his life and, and I don't want it. And that it has to do with how Tiger has to live with privacy and everything like that, but also I think has to do with how Rory likes to think of himself as someone who speaks his opinions and whatever. I mean, you know, the stock he comes from, I can't imagine Jerry McElroy ever keeps his thoughts to himself too much. No, you don't run pubs in Ireland and no. keep your own counsel, do you? That doesn't you tend to be You part don't of strike the job up a friendship with John Huggan and not have opinions and something interesting to say. <laughs> well, they, they share a love of a dud football team, don't they? they Isn't do that indeed. what brings them together? Is it Four Hibs? Four Far Athletic, I think. Uh, Four Far Athletic. Yeah, Hibs. I think Hibs, I think. Hibs. Oh, Hibs. Yeah. Hibs. Yeah. yeah, indeed. My apologies, Huggy. Indeed. What do you reckon? Uh, we clearly are in the bubble, and that's one of the. Uh, being in the media, you can't help it. You know, you're going to follow this stuff. You must have written thousands of words about it already, Jimmy, and thousands more to come. Are most golf fans, do you reckon, Logue? So you, you're a non-working media and probably have more outside media golf interactions, certainly, than I do. What's your take on what people generally think? Are they interested golfers? Yeah, well, it all depends on your perspective and what lens you're viewing it through, I think. There's, like I, I shared with you, a reaction from one of my mates who's like, Oh, bloody Rory whinging thing. Well, I can't wait to see what the whinging guy says, you know. And and I think that's a 
reasonable reaction for a lot of people. They're, all they see is this surface level Rory mouthing off uh, for the last year and now he's, he's got his comeuppance is their view. Um, so that's, that's one perspective. Then there's this very basic perspective around all of that where well, uh, try and imagine that in your own job market. Like if your company, if you got an offer from another company, this the whole Tracy Holmes thing, which we should probably link to, which uh, was a very shallow sort of analysis of mm. the situation. So you've got, you're at a company, you get an offer from another company, you refuse that offer, you defend your company to stay, but then you get taken over. Uh, should you be compensated for the position you took? Well, you sort of in Rory's case, he was compensated for the position he took anyway. Like we know, and never made an offer by live, which I found out. I didn't never made an offer it. by live. He yeah. Said, yeah, he said blatantly, never offered anything by live. So I think a lot of people are looking at at it through that sort of lens. It's like, well, if this was my company and I was taken over, then this is the reaction I'd have. Um, but it's unclear at this point who is taking over who. Well, like, I was about to say this is the weirdest of all, isn't it? People I respect are saying both things. Robert Lizettich is saying the PGA Tour is a clear victory, and other people who are saying there is, you know, PGA Tour have basically given up control of this new entity to the Saudis. Do we any thoughts on who, what it might be? It feels to me, I reckon, to keep it simple, stupid. He who has the money has the power. Hundred percent. Apparently, it's a minority stake. They keep saying that. They keep emphasising that the PIF will have a minority stake. Really, I thought they were the majority exclusive shareholder in the new entity. I've heard mine. I've read minority stake. Yeah, it, I I do not see it as a minority stake. And Alan Chipnuck, who has probably more to, on this, said on Twitter this morning. Someone, you know, maybe I've undersold it a little bit, but it feels as if Saudis bought golf. You know, bought or professional a, golf or a part of it. This notion that the PGA Tour will continue in some form as it is, and there'll be this whole. Yeah, there's that, just too many unanswered but questions. That's, I, I sit in that same camp too. I mean. The tour will run the stuff, but they've bought. If you got the money, and and the the clear issue here is money because the PJ Tour couldn't manage to keep paying for these designated events and everything that they were doing to keep the top tier of players. They couldn't find sponsors. Couldn't find sponsors to give the money to do that because you can't go from eight million to twenty million dollars and just put your hand out to the same guy and say, "Give us an extra twelve. They were losing sponsors of other events. There was there was money flow issues with their with their model, so they needed the money. You know, Live was spending well, PIF was spending all this money, and the business model of selling teams was not working. So they were never going to get a return. Less people were watching both products. They were taking each other to court, and neither one of them was going to come out of that looking rosy. Even the winner, it feels as if the PIF gets the win and gets the control because, as you say, Rod, they, those with the money and with this weird new entity that they have right of reply, right of refusal on other investors, well, if you're the person who's the in sole investor, you're in charge. You've got all of the money if you own and the rights on your make own. Sure nobody else puts no one else is <laughs> No one else is in charge of your house, right? So, yeah, it's um, it's strange. I mean, the PJ2 is an, obviously a strong operational unit, and they can use them to execute the well, new, well, new <laughs> execute the new strategy <laughs> and the the way the golf is going to be played. But yeah, it's very strange. So a couple of things: what might golf look like? Do you reckon, Jimmy? What do you reckon they've got in mind? No idea. Mm. This is the thing. I, I, funnily enough, was speaking with a, a player, Australian player, the day before this happened about 
tour school exemptions for US tour school because there's now PJ tour cards through the qualifying school and it's not just corn ferry and all this stuff and there was a slight change in categories that relates to Australia and what we get out of our tour and order of merit and we were just sort of riffing off what that could mean and how that happened and this happened the next day and he rang me and said I promise you I didn't know anything but then the expanded the conversation of Colin Morikawa so you wouldn't expect yeah. some poor struggling to approach Australia to have any That's idea right. what was going on but uh, the idea then of what does it look like and how does it happen with you know even access to whatever this tour is and all that sort of stuff I mean everyone's going to want their pound of flesh that's in golf but everyone's kind of all together so Australia is aligned with the DP World Tour who is aligned with the PGA Tour and so they all fall into line Asia's lined up with the PIF and live so they all fall into line so do you scrap the whole system and you start with this umbrella tour that has arms in every single part do you have surely can't you have PGA Tour is too entrenched to just to do well, certainly not in any sort of short term way. You can't just replace it with something else. I wouldn't imagine. No, but the PJ Tour would be the overarching umbrella tour that then you have avenues. That's that's how their operation model has always been. PJ Tour China, PJ Tour Latino America, PJ Tour Canada, to bring them in, and then you funnel through to the top. And that's what they were doing with DP World Tour with the top ten is a funnel into the bigger. Which makes place. a lot of sense. Absolutely, it does. But then you've now got, if you've got every single tour and every single player in that same system, how do you decide which funnel goes where and how do you continue to, you know, sort of elevate the best players? It becomes very difficult to identify the best players across the entire world. It's The world rankings has been designed to do it and doesn't do the best yeah, job. And we've seen through Live and also through the PGA Tour, it's not just about the best players, it's about the players who the public... Uh, pay the most attention to. And it's not just about performance. And so there's, that's what that old PIP thing was about. It's what Liv has been about. Nobody would argue that Phil Mickelson's a top 10 in the world player, but he's probably a top 10 in the world draw card for a lot of people. And that's his value. It's not not his golf so much anymore. It's it's, uh, it's who he is. What do you reckon it might look like, Logue? Uh, well, planning. I, you know, I'll caveat with the no idea as well, but I, I think it all... Clearly, everything we it, started with, none of us have got any idea about yeah. any of it. I mean, the There's majors... A couple, will a couple probably, of hundred people in Ponte Vedra Beach who have no idea what it's going to look like. Yeah. There okay. might be a couple of people sitting around a table who've inked this deal and got no idea no at idea, this stage. Yeah. I mean, well, no doubt the majors will continue to be the winner out of this, uh, at least for the time being, and I know you've got a view that that can change in time. And yeah, I agree. I mean, I started by saying what's true today is false tomorrow. And uh, that could very well be one of the things that is a you know sacred cow that gets slain at some point in the next 10, 20 years. Um, but for now, I think the majors will be elevated because it's uh, a neutral, they're, they're Switzerland in all of this. Um, and the PGA Tour and the combination of these tours, it just, you always get back to this equation that you can't work through, which is there's a limited schedule and there's a limited number of weeks in the year and uh, getting almost to the point where you could have a two-year season and it'd, you'd be able to fill it, no problem at all. But there's, let's say there's 20, 24 events that are important events in world golf. It's probably about the right number, yeah. roughly. And most top players' schedules, they want to have 15 to 20 events in their schedule. So that allows you to have them skip a few events, attend the majors, and you've somehow got to identify what these other 15 or so events are that are going to be elevated, for want of a better word, 
Um, is it the designated events on the PGA Tour? Yeah, sure, they'll probably draw on some of those. Is it some live events or live style events? Yes, but without the 54 holes, because I think it's a very good point that they can't really continue with that. Um, and what else What else can you throw in there? Some team stuff, maybe? Because now that's got to be a part of the equation. I reckon what they've done is just ripped off Andy Gardner's idea, which is you create this new entity, which is the team's thing. It yep. works in con- conjunction with the PGA Tour, and this is your PGA Tour premium product. That's the team's event. That's what this new entity will be. They'll draw There's their players. There's got to be team's thing continue on now. I think it's part of the deal, the equity deal, that the well, players are going to get is – Well, the, for Torquay loyalists like myself. <laughs> There's a lot well, of I'm smash. a Majestics guy, apparently. You are, yeah. I went on the website guy. and did the yeah. uh, how to pick your team thing, and I'm a Majestics guy. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm smash, and, yeah. yeah, there was a bit of disruption. Ooh, already in, gone in the forums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, that new entity, as I understand it, will not – is uh, the not-for-profit part of the PGA Tour is primarily for things like the pension and stuff like that is not the day-to-day operations of tournament golf. So this is where I think Andy Gardner has... I've got to listen to that No Laying Up episode again where he laid it out because it was comprehensive and it was like, well, okay, this guy really does understand how all this works and needs to happen. He just just needed a meeting. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And and he had a plan for how to get the players to vote for it and everything. The the thing is now I think it's become so much more complex because they let what happened over the last 12, 18 months happen to try and pull it all together and do all that is going to be very, very difficult. I mean, if you... If you have that team thing and you've got all those guys contracted and live to be on teams, if you're a smart business person, you just say, well, we just use those guys that are contracted. But then everyone's like, well, no, we've talked about we don't want to watch them. We want to watch all the guys. And then how do you convince Rory to go and play that stuff with guys that he maybe doesn't agree with and whatever? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> he, he, I suspect he's already been offered a big chunk of a team. Because he said that in his press conference. Yeah. He said, maybe team play, maybe I'm a part of that. He. Well, and how does Tiger and his thing fit in? They announced their first team sale Tiger today. And Rory, <laughs> hey. it's Tiger and Rory. Yeah, that uh, today. I know that. I think that the reason I think the team thing's going to happen is because I think there's demand amongst those with the money to be a part of it. So I read the other day Jeff Bezos has apparently already expressed interest in maybe having a team. Joe Ogilvie told us on State of the Game, my jaw dropped. He said, I know a couple of billionaires who'd love to buy a golf team. Like, yep. You what? You know a couple of billionaires and they want to buy a golf team? <laughs> so well, if you've got was, demand- Kari's thing when we had her on this podcast. Right. That she said, there's enough rich people who want to yeah. buy sports teams. They've just got to have the right flavour to be- Exactly. So attractive. whilst Liv and the Saudi connection was probably unpalatable- if it's a PGA Tour product, it's far more palatable. Mm-hmm. The chances of that happening, I think, if you've got a demand, you're going to find supply. 100%. That's why we still have a drug problem in the world because there's demand for it. It's not a, You can never fight it from the supply side. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So that's why I think that, and that's what I think they're thinking, that this separate unit will be a whole separate, whether it be a global traveling teams thing of the most marketable players, mm. which will be a combination of the very best and those who – move the needle. You've got issues, obviously, because you've already got players who own portions of teams, but you could, it wouldn't be hard to figure out who those team owners and who those team front players might be. I've always said it. Give Tiger a team. Yeah. And you get at least, the success least make him uh, Give him a big stake in a team, but have him be the team manager. Yeah, that's I right. Love the thought of Tiger in a headset. Well, because Tiger would actually be into it. I love it. Yeah, so do I. It wouldn't yeah. be performative. Yeah. He would be into it. He would still be competing, even though he can't walk. And that would keep him in the game in a way that, 
you can't buy what that would bring because you'd have a small number of players whose entire life purpose would be to beat Tiger's team and a large number of players whose entire life purpose would be to be on his team. It'd be so just that creates like- excitement amongst the players themselves genuinely, not yeah. just playing. They're playing for something. And as I think it's got – I do think it's got potential, but to me, he's kind of the key to it. If you get him and a couple of famous basketballers or footballers yep. Yep. and they're the team manager, now you've got to show. Team managers are such a – attractive thing to all of this. like Because you're right, they can drive around in buggies with the little headsets exactly. on and get the look and exactly. do the, the reaction shots. Arms. Exactly. The reaction makes for really good TV. It also makes yeah. for great coverage between events. Yeah. Who's yep. in, who's out, yep. who's injured, who didn't play well last week, who might play, who gets brought in. So there's a lot they can do. And I, so I think that's what they're thinking, that that's what that new entity is going to be, will be essentially this team's thing with maybe some kind of series of feeder events. That come to it. I think I think one of the things is, and I, I don't disagree with that. Professional golfers at the elite level are about to find out what it's like to play other sports, which hmm. is you are you owned told, by told. someone. That's right, yeah. and you are told yeah. you are no longer saying I only want to play fourteen events a week a year. They're going to be playing a whole lot more, yeah. Because if you're going to be playing the team events, you're going to be playing the majors. You're not going to have the opportunity to skip out as much. Yeah, they've got to compress their season into sort of the Northern Hemisphere summer or something Correct. like that, which uh, is probably Australia's going to lose again in that respect. It's how it all, how they shape it up, who knows? But you know, every other sport that Saudi has invested into has this built-in. You know, like they own Newcastle United in the Premier League. The Premier League guys play a lot of football. Yeah, they do. And they show up and they do all these things. And then they go and play Champions League football if they're good enough. And then they go and play for their country. And then they go and do this and that. That's what the money's for, isn't it? That's right. Cristiano (laughs) Ronaldo signs with the Saudi team and they bring him over. When a huge player like that signs, they're dragged out to the stadium that's packed full of all the fans and stand in front of them and just applaud and dance for your money. (laughs) And these guys are (laughs) going to work out what that's all about. um, Because... They found it a little bit with Liv that they said, oh, I'm going to go and play less golf and whatever. I mean, they're not- I pl- play less golf, but you'll be playing golf not where you choose, but, then, but where you're uh, told. They're playing one less round an event, but they're not playing less golf. There's plenty of Liv tournaments already where you just know the players didn't want to be there. Crooked can <laughs> I didn't want to name names, but, yeah, but I mean, you look at just the way the scheduling sure. happens around majors and stuff as well. It and, just, and it and it, it highlights the exact same problems of the the underserved markets like Australia, where they've taken them of why there's a problem. You know, Taylor Gooch walks away, gets the Singapore checks his bank account. He's been knocked half of it by the tax man and gets upset. Brooks Kepka shows up. I really like watching Brooks play golf and all that sort of stuff. But shows up, does a press conference in Adelaide on the. Wednesday, Wednesday, I think, or it was Wednesday. Wednesday, you know, how you like in Australia? Oh, it's great. I've been here since the weekend. I went out to an AFL game. But what do you think? Of course, oh, no, I know. I haven't looked at the golf course. <clears throat> it's a. Uh, oh yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm Let's I'm talk here. specifically about Australia. What do you reckon happens there? You've got everything from people saying there's going to be a couple of PGA Tour and live events here in the future <laughs> to people saying that's it. Australia is out of that kind of thing. I think like your a, observation about an Asian tour event or something. That, that, that feels sense. like a solution. But I wouldn't be saying, look, if they do the team thing the way I'm thinking about it, it becomes more like an F1 thing. There's no reason it can't be its own whole separate competition. That globally, I think, could work. There's space in the market to bring a live-style event here. The money's got to come from somewhere else. Australia can't sustain it, but it makes sense to bring it here in terms of fans and exposure and that sort of thing. I think that can work. Live proved that that can work. There's no reason the PGA Tour can't do it. So that might be – Australia might get one of those if that is what they're thinking. Uh, The the team 
concept is easier to shift around the world. You're taking less players there. You, they're your you contracted players, and the rest is still your independent contractors. Your teams, these guys play where they're told. If they successfully do what the live teams fail to do and sell to corporations and whatever, and they cover all your costs, and they do all their own social, and they do all their own bookings, and they do all that stuff. It's, global companies owning global yeah, teams. And it, it benefits them to take them yeah. to yeah. – that works. I mean, otherwise, though, it, who knows? I mean – I did like uh, Gavin Kirkman's statement um, on the day everything happened on Wednesday that it referred back to pathways and what their goals are of what they've done here. So didn't come out and say, we want to try and get the biggest events here and whatever. It went back to their core business of the tour here. Um, and all marks to them for that because they're doing a fantastic job. Correct. With the and I think, and all I think I, in all the things I've done this week, I had some people who were kind of wanting to be quick to criticise. And I said, number one, what did you want them to say? No one knows this isn't guaranteed. And this to be critical of smaller tours in the scheme of this is what ridiculous. What power do you think they have? But they went back to their key messaging around things like Pathways is so good. Mm. Um, but what otherwise happens is – absolutely anyone's guess and out of our hands and out of yeah exactly i mean i i've i've come up with what i call the clayton plan <laughs> and the pj tour if it takes over world golf properly the way it kind of could do should the national opens become these pillar events in the pj tour season that runs from january 1st to december 31st and all of the big national opens have this status with the pj tour and they become big events and they so funnel here, the japan open the south africa open Correct. um opens in the places in the uk obviously europe scotland, scotland. irish oh. all these places canadian open canadian we just, open we just shafted the canadian open no, again i was going to get to the canadian <laughs> open he just wanted to talk about other places shane lowry apparently in the player meeting spoke up for the canadian open <laughs> which is <laughs> like, they, they all started fighting he might be an rbc guy is he? But, I, don't I don't know but but what seriously, the hero we needed <laughs> how bad has the canadian open had it last year first live event two years prior you've had uh covid cancellations yeah they got a bashing for the year. They can't play the game. They got a they got a bashing <laughs> for years before that because they used to play it at Glen Abbey, which yeah, was yeah. the one of the worst PJ Tour events. Tiger hit a good shot there once, but like it was just they have just copped it. I feel sorry for yeah, so our, our Canadian cousins. That's why I, I worry that I, I wouldn't want the Australian Open ever to be a, no. a PJ Tour event. I, I just it gets like tossed around and mistreated like correct because there's different priorities it's yeah. just not exactly what that would look like my yeah. clayton plan i don't know but the well see the problem with your clayton plan and clayton, i love clayton as much as anybody but in clayton's world santa still exists and he's real <laughs> that's the what, problem with a lot of clayton's they're me? fabulously and they're romantic <laughs> and they're wonderful but, but just, this they're is, not better i'm only naming it for him just because it's yeah i feel like he'd like it it's but, clayton-esque but uh, i think uh one of the things I'd like to mention about Australia and Liv has had more support here than anywhere else in the world, I would suggest. Yeah, that feels like Certainly the case, boots on the ground, that was the case at Adelaide, but just social media reaction, all that sort of stuff. But I want to think that the suggestions that somehow the local events, local tour should have hitched their wagon to Live Golf at the start is now proven as to why that wasn't done. Number one, you couldn't. You couldn't make the Australian Open a live golf event. I don't understand how would that would have worked. Would Liv have been interested in talking to the PGA Tour of Australia? Australia? Absolutely, they would have, yeah. Do you think? Yeah, absolutely, they would have. But the fact that you didn't go 
oh, like, well, the Asian tour, Cho Mintant saved his tour by his Absolutely. relationship, but the PGA Tour of Australasia didn't stand to gain the same things that he did and that they could have ended up with, you know, being touched in with this tour that's now, we don't know what his future is at all, is, you know, quite quite a good place to come out of it in the end, to be honest. We've proven ourselves as a as a global golf host with Adelaide, but we've also proven ourselves as a valuable pillar in the re- in the other tiers of golf tours around the world. Golf tour. and and so we're in a, a solid place to play. But this suggestion that some people that oh, there'll be multiple PJ Tour events here and we'll be the place. Well, you can't make a business case for it, which has always been the case. There's no malice in the PGA Tour running roughshod over the world. This is just the business case for no, golf. It's right. in America. And and there's the reality of the number of weeks in the year. Again, it just keeps yeah. coming back. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing about Europe and people saying, yeah, the Europeans sold out to the PGA Tour and all this kind of – the truth is the European Tour has not been in a position to compete with the PGA Tour, which is what they did 30 years ago, for about 20 years. Yeah. Well, Tiger, Tiger fixed, finished that. Once Tiger emerged in America and all the money that poured into the game in America, they couldn't compete. Yeah. It's just not possible. How do you compete with the PGA Tour? I mean, before even the designated events, like you said, $8 million purses everywhere. We can't come up with that sort of money in Australia. It's literally impossible. And it's about double the purse to run an event properly. Yep. So an $8 million purse means about a $16 million investment for a week. What yeah. company in Australia is going to sign up for that yeah. with no guarantees of who's going to play, no. which is the problem that Liv has kind of solved in a way, and it was McGinley who made this point, that it, it, Liv ter- has turned golf at the top level from the independent contractors into this contracted sport because sitting on the board of the European Tour, this was the example he gave, if a company comes to us and says, we've got $20 million, we want to put on a golf tournament, and they say, great, let's do it. And the company says, will Rory play? And the tour says, well, I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Will Tiger play? I don't know. You'll have to talk to them. It's pretty tough, isn't it? And the company says, well, this is great. We've got 20 million bucks. Guess what? We're going to go and spend it somewhere else. Correct. So in a business sense, what Liv has done, changing it to a contracted game, as you just said, the players won't like it or a generation of players won't like it. The next generation of players won't know any different. Those contracts, I suspect, like other sports – won't be for everybody in golf. There'll be a whole bunch of independent contractors. And if you make it, once you become Tiger or Rory, then you'll get offered a contract yeah. somewhere and it'll be what are we worth your while. 60 odd players? That, I, would think. I think that. the 48 player league, yep. the live idea, the, the Andy Gardner idea that live made yep. happen, that has got all the bones of making a business case to exist. Correct. I like that too. Yep. And I don't know that, well, you've got to have some sort of promotion and relegation system. Yep. There should really only be 12 protected species on that in that team setup, and they're the ones who get, which is what we saw with Liv. The guys who got the really big money, Mickelson, Kepka, DeChambeau, had earned that with their previous performance, and I think that's how it'll look. And then you'll have 30-odd guys who'll bounce mm. between the PGA Tour now and that. That was the problem Liv had. Where do they bring the next bunch of players from? They were going to run into this problem sooner than yep. later. Well, they had run into that. Yeah, they had. Where, where, do, where does the next batch come from? And you can, tar- and you might get lucky with some young guy who does something amazing, but your reality is most years you're not going to have someone who well, that was emerges the, and becomes. That's always been player. the gamble of of amateur golf to elite golf uh, yeah. to professional golf, and who works out. I mean, and they targeted a few of those guys, and you you just don't know. 
because some guys just don't make the transition that well. Some guys make the transition from being a struggling amateur, Ian Poulter being one, yeah. into a very, very good player. So you need to have it as that 48 is the absolute top of the top. It's not a rival to the top, other top version, I'm, which is what it was. I think not sure. I think a good number because it works in the women's professional golf as well. Uh, well, the, yeah, the Gardner I think plan. That obviously. same model, I think you can just take straight across to women's professional. You can include a women's team or women in this model, yeah. which is what Andy Gardner had was part of his PGL thing. And that, yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense too. That was a, a fan-voted thing or something? There was a fan-voted team. Yeah. And I think the captains were were free to pick women for their teams as well if they wanted to. But you could certainly include an element of women in there, which was this 13th team, which the fans owned. And all the money from that went to – Look, go back and have a look and a read of what Andy Gardner proposed. There's no reason they can't do that with this entity. And that's why I suspect that he's laid out this plan that just ticks every box, makes every sense. You've got your promotion relegation. Your PGA Tour is the feeder to All of it makes complete sense. And I I think that that's what they've got in mind for this. We've got some of the team infrastructure already in place. There's stuff that's going to have to be ironed out, but they've got some of it in place. And yeah, I still can't think where you fit all this in and you retain the elevated events. And well, you don't. Your designated events go away. You may well have but, less. But when you say go away, does that mean the LA Open goes away? Or? No, 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 no. It just stops being a designated event. This notion of a designated event can't survive. So the top players aren't going to continue playing the LA. No, no, Open? no. That's right. There's a PGA Tour premium okay. now, and it's the team competition. Well, that's. I think we should depose Rod from that's the, what I reckon. the crown of yeah, well, yeah, King. King I don't know. I think that makes sense. <laughs> but but I, that's I, where I think I you've think got to fit in those that's tournaments where, as well. Or but that's you've where got where to I think we haven't discussed how many team events there's going to be. That's the thing. Let's I say think, it's ten. Yeah, that's it leaves a lot. it leaves eight events, four majors, and four others for the top. Just four others? Yeah, absolutely. How many golf tournaments? Okay, you've mentioned the LA Open. There's maybe four or five others. Adam Scott pointed to this a couple of years. He said there's maybe eight tournaments on the PGA Tour in reality that the players and fans actually think are important. And then there's the majors. There's really twelve to fifteen golf tournaments here that really matter. Why do we have to have forty-eight tournaments? It's yeah. madness. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The problem with yeah. the game is there's too many professional golfers and too much professional golf, and the market is now starting to say that that's not sustainable. So it might be the market that dictates it in the end. But there is a space for something you might have best of the best, this team idea. There really is a space for that that can go all year. It doesn't have to be every week, but it can go all year. But it, I agree that the team thing has all these merits and everything like that. I don't agree that it'll go all year. Uh, yeah, I think it can People have season. a small, tiny window, and okay. they will not That's play fine. much. because yeah. Do that then. That's fine. The like, more you can compress the season, the better. NFL's like that. Yeah, it's, the it's, issue is nuts. Definitely. 16 weeks. 16 weeks, Massive. bash, dash, done. The, the concept of live, and it's a completely different thing that we're assessing on what it has been. It hasn't shown that it's had that great market value yet. No, except I, I in Australia. So we're not going to give up what it has decent market value in current PJ Tour stuff and sell it all down the river for this because this has potential. That will have to be created and it will, in my mind, it would start in a very limited season and they will see what that happens because part of the problem is that this team concept is great. The idea of Tiger having a team is great. The idea of people investing in this concept is great and I love always Andy Gardner's concept and all this sort of stuff. But you are taking an audience that is not uh, not tuned into team golf except for once a year at the Ryder Cup or the Solheim Cup or the President's Cup and trying to tell them they have to care about something that's just made up. 
so, so many you're telling people, people they have to care about the players so have to care about it. the too. players have to care mm. and the fan has to care so many people who watch golf don't watch other team sports because they don't like that whole tribalism that comes with it oh it's an interesting notion hmm sure a lot of that. people do but a lot of people don't so you're creating teams. When you create a team, it is exceptionally difficult to get people to buy in unless it's regionally based. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. But look, that's true of all team sports. The big team sports that exist now, there was not always a Manchester United. It started somewhere at some point and grew to this. Well, they started, so, in they started a game of football. They had a team, didn't they? And they played teams from the region. So the local yeah. people got behind they, the team. They didn't start off. It wasn't being called, called the Manchester Fireballs. United, yeah, no, no. maybe. Yeah. I understand. Well, it also that, wasn't it, the it Fireballs. Or something. That's right. Yeah. This is the thing is, <laughs> I feel like I'm now promoting the team golf, which is not my intention. I don't know if it'll work or not. Like I think a it's got big merit. team guy to me. Yeah, but that's, uh, this merit. is the thing. I think since I've become a Majestics guy, I'm obsessed <laughs> with right. this team thing. But the, I think the 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 tour is going to be so mindful of using that team thing as a limited because they know how that works with the Ryder Cup. That's their framework, even though it's not theirs. Well, (laughs) is it not theirs anymore? With with both the strategic alliance with the DP World Tour and now this new thing where they're aligned with the the European Tour, they kind of own the other side. They've got a foothold in it, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of against the PGA of America when it comes to the They kind of have a bit of an idea of how I imagine they would think and they then have to work out how that all comes together. And and so they – and the thing is, yes, they've lost sponsors. Yes, they were having trouble with the sponsors with designated events, but they still have – a vast oh, yeah. range of sponsors. Let's not pretend it's a dead in the water. Who are, who are kicking in and happy to kick mm. in a lot of money. Mm. So they want to try and work out ways to keep those. Those sponsors particularly now want vision, want visibility as that's their, that's their earn. So they want to name a tournament. They want to, you won't be able to name a team, the John Deere's necessarily, unless that costs a lot of money. And so I, I'd, I'd say it'll be this sort of small part of the season, probably come at the end um, in this window when they've played their playoffs because PGA Tour is probably going to hang on to that concept because they put so much into it. Well, they've still never got it right. Correct. But how that – then they have – do they give Europe a window of events? Do they well, – like this is where it's just going to oh, get so muddy and exactly. difficult. And, and what hap- who's the big losers in this? It's those players who perceived that they had it or that they'd made it. They'd made it – or Andy Gardner. But they'd made it to the PGA Tour – they're, uh, you know, all exempt in the PJ Tour. We've made it. And the designated events were a bit of a, a kick for them. They're like, oh, I'm not going to be in a lot of those. What's going on? This is just going to be that magnified, isn't it, for that? Yes. Yeah. That tranche, yes, of, that tranche of players that's yes, one level because, down. Because I think commercially you just can't have 125 exempt players play every week and have the same person there's got no. to be i know it should happen but wow that's a lot of players who sure. have got a vote as well don't they in, yeah in whether that's right and that as the do the corn ferry players there's a very big electorate of players that will vote and this is kind of what andy gardner was getting to you i needed a certain percentage and once you lay it out a certain way i'd look the notion of the PGA Tour being player-run has always been fanciful, and the players kidding themselves they had something to do. If you asked the players to run the tour, it would be a shambles. And inside <laughs> of two imagine? weeks, the players themselves would be saying, can we please get somebody to manage this? This is insane. I don't get to work on my chipping when I want to. Yeah. So that notion, they love to get uppity about it, the same about the independent contract. Yeah, sure. The truth is, you, 
99% of PGA Tour players should not be let anywhere near the management of the PGA Tour. It'd be like Homer's car. Yeah, it is exactly <laughs> what it would be. I'm going to link to that again in uh, in the show. Oh, well, that's that's. I, I think that's you can't you can't expect people who pay someone to manage their personal finances and no, personal exactly. life to manage a business. So, but the, the issue. So, live kind of did this as an it's almost experimental with the Asian tour of mm-hmm. we're going to appease these lower level players. That was easy because playing for 2 million bucks a week on the Asian tour is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Playing for 2 million bucks on the PGA tour is we're not showing up. It's a corn ferry tour. <laughs> and that's where it becomes this sort of murky thing of how, because with the vote system, they'll obviously, the top, top tier guys are going to be financially compensated to try and get them on board. That's going to be the thing. But the lower tier guys, if they can show somehow there's going to be more money and more opportunities for them somewhere, then they'll get them on board. But play better. Play better. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but the the structure can't come until they get the approval necessarily. Oh, and yeah, we're a long way from anywhere. We're so far from anywhere of this actually shaping out yeah, that, yeah. you know. So let's stop speculating about all that because it's, it's fun, but it doesn't really get us anywhere. So you had a really terrific piece, I thought, yesterday, Jimmy, about uh, all of this happening on official Women's Golf Day. Mm. I'm sure it wasn't deliberate, but it's kind of telling, isn't it? Where does all this leave and what should happen – with the LPGA and women's golf, if there is indeed a should. Well, I mean, if if all of this is going to unify golf, it should unify all professional golf. Mm-hmm. Um, convincing the LPGA like? players of that may be harder work than convincing the PGA Tour players, but that's probably also an easier buy-in process because it comes a lot cheaper than the PGA Tour is. Um, I think... There was already moves to start setting something up in a live framework for women's golf that would have probably destroyed women's golf realistically. The LPGA wasn't in a strong enough position to handle that kind of attack on what it like is. a team format thing that yeah. they were doing, yeah. Um, I'd heard there'd been players who may have had conversations at different points. If you look at the Aramco series fields, you can see some regular big names popping up yeah. in every one of those events. You don't Correct. have to make large leaps to figure out what might be going on there. Correct. Um, uh, I thought the LPGA commissioner's statement was odd. It just sort of said, oh, we think it's Wishing great getting together and we're working on ourselves. I mean... Look, it was written by ChatGPT. Yeah, that's right. They're kind of on an island now in, profession, in the professional golf landscape on their own. and They still have a some sort of an agreement with the PGA they Tour. Do, yeah. They do, and they're going to play born much fruit to this. They're going to play an event together later this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring in all professional golf and you're going to create something completely new that's going to be a better uh, commercial prospect and all this sort of stuff, it make, would make sense to bring women's golf into it uh, and run it within the same framework, but separately, obviously, in its own events and stuff like that. But then bring them together and the teams thing, bring them in as well. Yeah, and more weeks where they're at the same yeah, venue or the in same the same venue town. And, and a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. So shouldn't it? But I don't know what mm. I don't know what it looks like for them. I or, think or successive weeks that again, Andy Gardner said have a festival of golf over two weeks. Correct. Yeah, in, I mean, in the traveling show, yeah, there's there's so many options there to to benefit all of professional golf. And if I was a if I was a, a corporation sponsoring golf and golfers i'd want all of my golfers to be able to be visible together they bring them all in for for sponsorship stuff um 
and I just hope that women's golf is not an afterthought or left behind. Yeah. Um, understandably, why at this point it's not included in any of the discussions because this is what's been happening for the last 12 months. In terms of the date, it's a coincidence is exceptionally kind to the people who did it. Mm. Because Jack I would have even known or given Well, Jay Monaghan should know. He should, absolutely. If Jay Monaghan didn't know, that is not that is disgraceful because women's golf day is not about women's professional players. It is about women in golf and the PJ Tour employs a significant number of women in all sorts of roles. That it was not given any lip service. Is that how he should have handled it though, is just to Pay respect to it. Pay respect then, to and it. And then still you've got to do the 100%. announcement that day. The announcement had to happen when it had to happen. Yeah. They've discussed about leaks and about all that sort of stuff and that it needed to be done. I get that. Pay respect to pay it. Pay respect to it. Pay respect to the tournament that you're ruining for the second year in a yes. row. Yes, yep. And pay respect Shane to the Larry day that is- up for it. These yeah, Shane Larry. Yeah. There was a guy in, in Rory's <laughs> press conference, there was a guy who said, hi, Rory, um, can I ask you about this week's Canadian no, Open? I'm going to give you a break. <laughs> I want to ask smiled, about the golf course. And his smile was just like, I'm, Cana- I'm Canadian media. I want to ask <laughs> yeah. about Canadian but Open. Pay, pay respect to the day. Just say, look, we are apologetic. This is not how we want to do it. It never this happens, it. does it? But it doesn't happen. And it's only – and look, I mean, I wrote that story because I care about it and I think it's important. I imagine very few other people care about it. And that in – Much hate mail? No. No. Because – I yeah, think on Facebook. in the well, I haven't had a look on Facebook. That's probably <laughs> where it is. Always the place. I'm sure I've been called names there, but it, it's it's a repeated offender thing too. That last year, Liv did all of these player announcements on women's major weeks. That really irked me, yeah. um, and it, it it annoys me. And I feel it's important to discuss, but it potentially is the chance we're going to get to right those wrongs moving forward that if there is this unified men's golf and they're working out and they're going to play maybe less big name things we give women the stage when it's their weeks yeah that's right and that's that schedule thing that whole schedule argument applies equally to the to women's yep. professional golf where there's this mindset and i think the andy gardner plan has a element of this or festival of golf what are you going to move the women's events like the men's events sort of stay at their place in oh, the calendar course, and you're going to move the women's event. Like uh, that's – and there's, you know, five women's majors that need to be given uh, plenty of free air to uh, to have that. And and then there's plenty of elevated events well, in the women's tour as well that need to be given their rightful status. So. Kind of in the world of speculation, it brings us neatly to what's one of the most fun games in golf, which is if you were starting golf again <laughs> – if you didn't have all these restrictions, I mean, kind of starting golf again in some ways with what we're talking about, what would it look like, Logue? Well, you want – I mean, I think in most things, if you can have a beneficial uh, monopoly, <laughs> it's a great way to kickstart something and then go from there. Those things can't be trusted forever. Um, is there any other way to do sport, though? No. Properly? I don't think Other there is. Other than a monopoly? Yeah, I don't think there is. No successful sport has ever been divided into – well, you need a massive – certainly in Australia, you couldn't have it. You need well, a benevolent dictatorship, basically. If you look at all the major American sports and the various attempts at having rival leagues and stuff like that, the NBA had the ABA, NFL had the USFL and all these things, they had money behind them, but they were these kind of joke leagues because they – kind of like what you know will would happen in golf is you have to drag in some 
journeymen and yeah. you know you know, people who've got problems in the world who've disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth and bring them in with a couple of the stars that you get at the top and it doesn't kind of work. And <clears throat> all it does is negatively affect the bigger league for a period until it goes away. You, you and need costs that. them money. You and need disruption, though, don't you? You do um, to a point. It's yeah. just so much disruption is a bit of a clown show. Yeah. How but, do you build that into the structure of the monopoly organisation? Is really the question. Is how do you make you create a culture where the disruption can come from within? Yeah. It's like say, I mean, let's change. It's like any business. Like yeah, exactly. you should view it, it through is. the eyes. And something I'm always reminded of is when you're like you know long term in a business, even like the best leaders that you might have in any business. Um, there's a there's a quote from Batman. I think it's Harvey Dent. He says, "You you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain." Yeah, yeah <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> and uh, that I think that's true of sports organisations as much as it is of any company. Like um, you need to move on and move ahead, and uh, a benevolent dictatorship is good, I think, to get something established, but it just needs some constant change and needs to act like it's always under threat. Which is, I think, I think the what's transpired in the last 12 months, particularly the last day, is we always spoke about the PGA Tour being too dominant and, and too big. What this has all proven is that they didn't have quite the monopoly of golf that we thought because of all the different arms and things that they've had to line up for them to be strong enough to be mm. the target. Because if the Saudis had got the conversations and investments right with Europe, potentially, to pump enough money there and create it, you potentially had enough to rival it, but they were, it was, it had its hurdles. Um, I think there was no sensible business threat to the PGA Tour. Not without. They they were yeah. by far, and I can completely understand their complacency of being the top dog. If you'd sat in a PGA Tour committee meeting 10 years ago and said, look, what we need to be prepared for is a rogue sovereign state making a completely non-financially responsible decision mm -hmm. to hurt our business, people in that meeting would say, mm, are you insane? You should still have had some plan filed away for that. But I'm not yeah. – I'd be – it, or, it was an unimaginable. I think the I think the thing is with Europe is <clears throat> while that was potentially there as something that could be tweaked and work. That's not what the Saudis wanted. They wanted America. No, they want what they've got now, which is and live was drilled at America. They played more events there. They wanted American players. They wanted all that sort of stuff. For all their global talk. They wanted America. Yeah, they're predominantly American. And that's, that's where the money is. And that's where the money is. That's where the market is. That's where the consumers are. And that's always going to be the yeah, case. Yeah, I, I had a long conversation with someone in motorsport yesterday about this and about how it works with them and all this sort of stuff. And he was talking about, well, you know, it's kind of similar in that they're investing heavily in motorsport and doing all this sort of stuff. And they can because they just build the tracks over there and host events and whatever. Golf doesn't have that if – in Saudi, they built 100 new golf courses and they tried to attract – well, that's not what they want. That's not what they need to do. They know it's elsewhere and it's got this established sort of thing and so they go and pick it up elsewhere. I think they do want a lot of tourism. Tourism. I, mean, I think whole, that's where a lot of the spending the same yeah. same people buying the, the fuel these days are going to be the people buying plane tickets Correct. in 10 years' time. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things from people in outside of golf around Saudi and people who work there and stuff about – Mm. what's going on there and what it is trying to become. Um, and you, if you are the 
primary investor and in control of the other investors in something and you have it on TV screens around the world every week and you can sell your wares as a tourism destination as everything else, you're in a pretty good spot. Right? There's, there's stuff happening at a level above golf that we is way above yeah. our yeah, pay rate. But the fact that this has already been mentioned in Congress, there's already another bill yeah. circulating to strip the PGA Tour yes. of its tax exempt status. You don't have to be Einstein to figure out that these discussions have not necessarily just been between the PGA Tour and His Excellency. They might have been told. That there's been some political involvement from mm. above saying, hey, Get know, this out. is bigger than you hitting your little white ball around the field. You know, you can go and do all of that, but this is what needs to happen. It's for, like a proxy war. Yeah, <laughs> at, a, at a level above. It's a complicated relationship between Saudi Arabia and the world. And always Absolutely. Has been. It's a complicated relationship between Saudi Arabia and its fellow OPEC. Now, I read a story this morning about how, you know, they've tried to cut production, the Saudis, and the rest of the OPEC partners have mm. not done that. and. It, there's a lot going on that's got nothing to do with golf. And, and, and there's the point the, of that story was that the, this limitless budget notion is just not, not true. true. Yeah. It's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in all of this, I mean, like there's at least – at least there's one statement I think I can refer back to that I've made in the past, which is the human rights stuff that, that is going on in Saudi Arabia. And I've, I think I've always taken the position that if an oppressive regime is looking to participate in the work with the rest of the world, mm. it it's to the benefit of the people who are oppressed in that regime to find a way to let them Have in. that happen. Because... That when isolation doesn't work, but if you isolate an oppressive regime, it makes it worse for the people yeah. who are oppressed in that regime. It feels like a sensible response. Let's just ban drugs, like that solved the problem. Yeah. Let's ban alcohol, like yeah. that's it. Let's not deal with the Saudis, like that's going to solve the problem. Yeah. So there is a we tricky might not like how this has happened, but there's but a tricky line in there between what appears to have happened, which mm-hmm. is that the Saudis have kind of bought golf, and that's the narrative that most people are getting. That's different to participating in and partnering with. That's the point I'd make. And this yeah. is, again, way above our pay grade, but how it those is. diplomatic relationships unfold, we've talked about it before. Is freezing out the Saudis the sensible thing to do or the right thing to do? I don't know, but it's probably not. That's it's my instinct, not, me but it's probably yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, again, in the great arc of history, it's, mm. again, is what's true today is false tomorrow. Yeah. It's, you know, one one day you're giving arms to a country, the next day they're using them against you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's how it goes. Stuff. But I must say, in all all of that, and I agree with you, Luke, the way that message has been handled over the last couple of days, there's some people who ought to be ashamed of themselves. Oh, it's, this could not have been handled any worse. And I, you can't help but keep going back and saying, Jay, what is wrong with you? Why did you not talk to Andy Gardner six or seven years oh, ago? And all that, of this could That have been gets to the inevitable bit, really, like that this fate was sealed when he didn't start right. having those meetings. Because exactly. this was the only way to avoid that yep. or to, to do it in a way that would have brought the Saudi money in differently. Yeah. Be, like, and I know at some point, Andy Gardner was saying, I can fund all of this without, yeah, he, that's right. without Saudi money. He gave him the option. That, it was one or the I can give you both. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, you know, you would have at least controlled the whole process then. And, you know, you say no to that and, okay, it's just going to happen one way or another and this is how it's happened. This is how it's happened. And I, think, I thought Rory's comment yesterday was appreciated where he said, the Saudis are going to keep putting money into golf. If that's going to happen, do yeah. you want them spending it as your enemy or as part of – That's right. You You're soaking in it. Spent. It's palm olive. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> all right, enough of all of that. Uh, what have we missed? What needs to be mentioned that's not this nonsense? US Open next week is going to be great. The Canadian Open needs to be mentioned. The Women's uh, Amateur next week. Australian Women's Amateur? No, the Women's Amateur. Oh, the, the US Women's, women's Amateur. Am- no, no, the Women's Amateur Championship. 
in the UK. Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. Is that next one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got a few, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smugness just sort of I dripped the away men, there. The men's amateur goes up against the US amateur. Was what I thought no, the men's amateur is the week after. Is it? Hmm. Yes. Okay. I was having discussions with someone from the RNO about it yesterday. So that's how you knew. No, I already knew. I had it scheduled in for playing from the tips for next week. <laughs> so do not doubt my abilities. No, but I do not doubt. Yeah, there is that much going on in actual golf being played. It's. Uh, ridiculous at the moment but there is an awful lot of golf on so look if you're a golf fan enjoy golf but you're going to hear about all of this stuff whether you like it or not yeah and just a reminder i think this is all playing into the hands of ludwig aberg in the uh canadian open is he beating Corey connors at this point i don't don't know he is not i think it's all playing in the hands of sarah kemp at the Shoprite classic shout out to kempy yeah good on you kempy and (laughs) we're referring of course to the playing from the tips podcast and uh the women's amateur is actually at prince's this year (laughs) Thank God for the internet in this room, eh, Jim? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, I knew where it course. was, but I just... I've played there. It's fantastic. Uh, I'll put a link to that Kevin Van Valkenburg piece Absolutely. in the show yeah, notes because it that really is a great piece. A lot of co- yeah. I read that this morning as well. That is fantastic, and he's very, very good at what he does. Yeah. And I liked – he went with an approach to not be first. He went yeah. with time to think and see, yeah. sit on it. And Come up worth the perspective. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Worth and, the wait. Well yeah. done. All right, that's it for episode – anybody? No. 147? Mm, maybe mm, I, I get confused. Hang on, I've got it here on my Word document. One forty-six. Okay, that's close. <laughs> it for episode Pri- one forty-six. Price is right. Rules you were pretty close. <laughs> I am <laughs> close this without going over. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Back next week with episode one forty-seven here on the Good Good Golf Podcast. <laughs>